Hi, this is Jim Chung, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Hello, everybody. It's uh, 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 809. Uh, you can tell right away that uh, Daddy's away. We have no Vince, but we do have someone who I think will um, still make you happy. Uh, and I am David A. Price. That's true. And uh, I am, of course, everyone's favorite intestinal apparition Guttenberg Gust no oh you're not Guttenberg Gust oh look at that you're already already giving it away you are not you are Jason Wood everybody what's that but there is somebody else that I heard who was that Jason y'all know who this is this is our people our family our 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 number four our captain in arms everyone's favorite Tony, please. Eisner nominated Tony, please. Uh, that's true. Eisner, that's not true. Eisner loser, really. Stop. Listen, it. listen. It's an honor to be that. nominated. Yeah, about that tone. I, you know, I I mean, I was rooting for you. I kind of thought, though, Layla Starr was going to win it. Sure. And uh, none of y'all won it. Yeah, <laughs> that was this. <laughs> the, the one I didn't think had a chance won it, so. Yeah, my, 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 my fan duel was completely fucked up that night. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Hi, Tony. It, it's me, Tony Fleece, everyone. Uh, happy to be back. It's been, it's been a little bit. I'm happy to be here hanging out with my friends, talking about comic books. Love it. Hey, you blew us off for a movie, what? Or, last we week, off for yeah. a movie last week, right? Yeah. I, well, I told David before you showed up that I'm, I blew off a movie for you guys tonight, so it's like everything. <laughs> what were you going to say? Gonna say? I, I saw Nope, and I skipped out on Bullet Train. Oh wow! You do love us. Vince is, is going to be livid. <laughs> Damn! Nobody tell him. Nope. Nobody tell. Uh, nope was fun. I was telling David it's like uh, he's he's in his close encounters bag right now. Like he's just he's trying some things out. He's doing stuff. Uh, it was great. It was it. Um, what's the guy's name? Who's the star of Nope? Uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Then, yeah. 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 He, like, when he was in um, Get Out, it was sort of earlier in his career and, like, even up to Black Panther. Um, but his, so he was doing, like, a, a more clear speech pattern because, like, his normal speech pattern in interviews is, like, that cool, like, super relaxed but almost, like, mumblecore speech pattern where you just, like, really have to pay attention to him. Uh, well, he's British, right? Uh, well, I guess, <laughs> like when he when he does an American accent, 
he's doing like a like a very slow like this especially in this new movie it's like very terse and short bursts and stuff and and so it's it like it pulls you in where you're paying super attention to it and then that way when shit happens you're just like oh shit like i was really locked into this because the because the way that they do the dialogue in this one you're like hyper focused on what's going on uh so yeah it was good recommended yeah i'm actually going to try and do a double feature of those two films uh on sunday if if i'm trying to get trying to get my seedlings to join me for a double feature so nice I'm going to I'm gonna try and catch Bullet Train next week, but we're gonna go see Fall next week, uh, and I can't fucking wait for that. That's like my most anticipated movie of the summer. Do you see the trailer for that? No. It's a. Uh, it's from the people that made Thirty Eight Meters Down or what? Like the. Oh, that's my jam, yeah. But this time it's up. Uh, it's these people climb like a, a cell phone tower in the middle of nowhere, and then get stuck up there. Uh, and if you're even slightly scared of heights, the trailer will fuck you up. Like mm. it looks, it looks terrifying. Because I'm like medium scared of heights, you know. Like I, I'm not like I won't go on a plane or whatever. But like if I'm on a suspension bridge or something, I'm like I don't need to go all the way to the edge over there. I'm fine here, you know. And this thing, like the trailer, gives me legit anxiety. Like I'm gonna be shrieking. And I like that sort of thing. So that, that that comes up. This yeah, week. I'm I'm le- legit afraid of heights. So yeah, same. Well, after we get done here, watch the trailer, like pull it up on YouTube on your big TV because it is amazing. Like somebody saw the Black Panther trailer and they were like, "That's the best trailer I've ever seen." I was like, "You haven't seen Fall." <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to see the uh, Super Pets movie with with the young kiddo. I saw that too. Yeah, I figured that was your. I mean, this is definitely on brand. If you got to do all your research, make sure Jason <laughs> film. Uh, I liked it. I mean, it was exactly what you'd expect, right? It's it's The Rock and Kevin Hart doing their shtick together with superhero pets. Like, like it was totally fine. It, you know what it was like? I said it was like a DreamWorks SKG animated film. Like, it it, it doesn't... Like, the, those films never rose to, like, the Pixar level. But being that my kids were on the come up during their heyday, like, we saw them all and the kids loved them. And I was like, and they weren't offensive enough to me that I was like bothered that I went to it, but I didn't like come out being like, God damn, that was animation at its finest, you know? Like, yeah. I thought that about this, like it was hella predictable, and but there were cute moments. And again, like I think the Rock and Kevin Hart are super, super, mag- like they're they're you know they're magnetic. So, yeah, like Bob Hope, Bing Crosby. What's that? They're like Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All their adventures. Whatever. I mean, if you're seventy years old, yeah. yeah but Lewis and Martin. That, did you? Well, I see. I was. I was about to ask Jason if you're showing your age by saying DreamWorks SKG. Do they still have the SKG at the end of it now? I thought they haven't had that no, in years. No, no, no. That's what I'm okay. saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it was oh, was that old school? Okay, yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. you. Yeah, mm-hmm. taking you back to a time and place. Yeah, seriously. Uh, we do want to thank. Might as well get the sponsors out of the way and thank. The patrons for making this episode possible. Um, we have patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. Uh, 11 o'clock comics.com where you can get this episode. Uh, if you go to the Patreon and sign up, you'll see the different tiers there. And uh, one of them gets you access to the Slack channel, which is where all the fun happens that isn't during the time we spend on the podcast. Um, a ton of fun ton of patrons uh 
anything you want to discuss, anything that uh, it can be discussed, we're just having a blast talking about it all. The memes, the health and wellness, the the, the how's everybody doing, the, the art, the creator corner. There are a ton of channels you can get lost in there, spend your entire day just poking around the slack and, um, and hanging out. But um, I am dying to hear about some comics. Yeah. Who's going? Well, back? yeah, Let's I was going to say uh, my intro was uh, was was Guttenberg Guest, which is the uh, the the birth name of uh, Gut Ghost. And uh, nice. I, uh, some of y'all may may know the Gut Ghost already. I, I'm relatively new to it. Um, I had seen like the character around the interwebs and what have you, uh, but I. Enzo Garza, uh, who is the creator, writer, rewrites and draws it, uh, was at Heroes, and I hit him up. He did a real fun commission for me, and uh, he was a real cool dude, like great energy, like you know, like just, just, just still in that phase of his life where he just loves making comics for for the sake of it, you know, not jaded or anything like that. And uh, and so when I was going to dap him up and pick up the the the, the uh, commission and whatnot, um. He had the he had a tra- he had the trade of of Gut Ghost, which is a collection of uh, some of the stuff he's done over the years. Per, uh, actually, put out uh, by Scout Scout Comics. So I picked that up too, and uh, it's just been sitting on my my two reads since we got back from Heroes. And uh, oh, I just felt like oh, I'm gonna just check this out for this week, see what's doing, and uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, his his style uh, is very it's like a little bit more of a raw, edgier, sort of little freer formed version of like shaky cane to my to my eyes, I think. Um and and I'm here for that, you know. And and the premise is basically this this character, Gut Ghost, is is what's that? What's up? I think it's feedback. We're getting an echo. Oh you're you're hearing feedback? No, it was it was an it happened earlier when I was talking to him. It did it I don't know if it's speakers or microphones, but there is a little bit of uh uh, echo. Hold okay. on a second. If we're pausing for a second, let me see if this fan's causing trouble. Alright. Um, so, Gut Ghost is basically a character. He, 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 oh, I'm hearing feedback. Yeah. feedback. Yeah. yeah. It's worse? No, I'm hearing feedback now. Oh. I just <laughs> turned the fan off, so I'm complete silence now. That's super That's weird. weird. You want me to leave and come back? No. no, I don't know if it's you. It could be me. Now I don't hear it. Right. Weird. Dude, how many years have we been doing this? And it's still mad. It's, yeah, I know. And it's, it's it, yeah. Like, I how know. is it just not what, plug this in, run the app, and it works? Like, I don't understand. It's, <laughs> it's so bad. It's 2022. Anyway, uh, Go ahead. Uh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so uh, assuming that I'm, I'm back to not echoing, uh, Gut Ghost is this character. It's a, a floating apparition covered in uh, it looks sort of skeletal with these bright yellow eye sockets and uh, no mouth but arms, no legs floating around and under his white skin slash clothing uh, is a ton of intestines that he can control so he can use them as appendages as he sees fit and uh, this collection, it's, it's the size of a normal trade paperback but it's just a bunch of different stories, some one or two page gags that I'm sure appeared at different spots, some pinups, and then mostly 
you know, not quite, like like mini comic size stories, five ten pages each, with just dude getting into different adventures. Um, and and it's it's just completely bananas pants crazy. I mean, he he is a, a ghost made of intestines, so you might imagine that he comes across lots of other crazy creatures uh, and characters, and he does. And it's a humor book, and it was very funny and well executed, and it's just silly. It's it, it this fits into the comic should be ridiculous. Uh, pantheon and um you know he just it was just a lot of fun uh it was a lot of fun i think his drawing style is very memorable and uh and i think you can see the love for it and there is um the final story in the book is a crossover i guess of sorts with stabity bunny um i know there have been a lot of stabity bunny comics but i must admit i've never read one so i don't really know the deal with stabity bunny other than i remember seeing the name before uh, but yeah, but there's a, a whole little adventure that they get into together. Uh, the book ranges from relatively mundane stories to hyper-violent hyper stories. Violent. So uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. Like I said, it's from Scout Comics, um, and it's uh, it's just called Gut Ghost and uh, G U T T Ghost. Uh, and uh, I wanted to I wanted to give it a little shout out to it because I think Enzo is uh, making comics for the right reasons because he's passionate about it. So uh, so give it give it some love if you're into that. The indier, you know, the indie side of, of horror comics, uh, then this is going to be right up your alley. That's awesome. That sounds great. Cool. Looks neat. I think I'm going to pick it up if I see it around. There's a there's a Scout Comics display at, at my shop out here. I'm going to go hit them up and see if they got it. Nice. nice. I'm pretty sure I'll raise a fan. Um, I think Mario got a commission from the guy, right? He did. Mario's the one that turned me on to him. Okay. Mario was setting up his commissions and and I remember saying, oh, I think that's that Gut Ghost guy, right? And then I reached out to him, too, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Got a Mike Mignola variant cover. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of heroes, um, one of the books I picked up um, was uh, The Book Tour by Andy Watson, who uh, wrote Paris that I talked about a few weeks ago. Um, Andy is a... Uh, very good illustrator as well um and the book tour is i didn't really know what to expect and before i knew it i was pretty much done with it and it is not a small book it's over 250 pages and um the the art is uh kind of um i think the art is fantastic they 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 the critics, the people, the, the pull quotes kind of refer to it as, as a retro line. I It, it reminds me of a very um, New Yorker cartoon style. Just uh, just the way the lines are and, and just, just the faces and everything's pretty much just there in the panel that you need to, to continue the story. And, and what the story is about is J.H. Uh, Fretwell is an author. And... Uh, and he is on his book tour um, for the book he wrote called Without K. And the uh, the book itself, the story that, 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 that he wrote, isn't necessarily the star of the tale. It, that, that's not important, although he does explain what the book is about as, as, as he goes to various bookshops for his signings that are not just not well attended, but in, in, in almost all cases, there's nobody there 
to to show up to have their book signed. Um, but Fretwell is a um, he's he seems to have some low self esteem. Um, he's he kind of goes along with everything, but it's very he doesn't really put up much of a fuss when um when things don't go his way and and uh you could tell he's upset or or or, or disturbed by the events but he just kind of just goes about his business so he can get to the to the next town to the next bookstore and so on but he um we start off by him saying goodbye to his wife um who never leaves the bathroom to say goodbye uh, they basically, you know, he talks to Rebecca through the door and, and lets her know, you know, I'll, I'll call you when I arrive at the hotel, no response. And he just says, okay, bye. Um, and he, uh, hops on a train and he keeps checking the literary review in the newspaper because one of, he's waiting for the review of, uh, of his new novel. He gets to the train station. And there's someone who, he puts a suitcase down and he checks out his itinerary and someone comes and picks up his luggage and just starts walking away. And Fritwell's like, oh, I didn't know anybody was coming to meet me. I didn't I didn't know the publisher had uh, had anybody coming. And the guy's like, oh, you don't have to worry about it, sir. Don't worry about it. And um, he's just like, well, I wasn't worried. It's just usually when someone is coming to meet me, I'm like notified ahead of time. And the guy's like, no, no, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have a word. Don't worry about it. I'll, um, I'll just uh, wait here or meet me at the front. I'll bring the car around. Um... He's like, uh, he's like, listen, I'm parked around back. If you want to wait out front, that's where I'll pick you up. And he's like, if, and, and Fred was like, well, if you don't mind, he's like, I don't want to cause you any inconvenience. So right away, we just know that this dude is just like, listen, whatever's easiest for everybody but me, I'm okay with. And so he goes to the front and he's sitting there and he's waiting a while. And turns out homeboy was not from the publisher. Homeboy just lifted his luggage. Uh, so... He didn't bring any books with him. Uh, he doesn't have anything extra. Doesn't have his luggage. Doesn't have really just, just clothes on his back is what he's got. Uh, he reports it to the police station. And the police really don't care. Homeboy doesn't even really look up. The, the desk sergeant doesn't even bother to look up from the newspaper. He's just, you know, doesn't pay Fretwell any mind until Fretwell says something about, he mentions his suit, he mentions his luggage, specifically uses the word luggage, but then he does mention a suitcase. And all of a sudden, the sergeant perks up. And he's like, oh, a suitcase, you say? Okay, so please describe the suitcase. And he's talking about it. And that's a bit of a hint because we find out that there has been kind of a serial killer going around. Um, and the suitcase is a vital part of the investigation. Uh, Fretwell meets a woman at one of the bookshops, uh, and her name actually is also Rebecca, just like his wife. Um, no one's showing up for the signing. Uh, he, he's he's waiting a while, and, and she thought, you know, she chalked it up to the weather because it was raining, but the rain had stopped and no one's still coming. Um, so Fred was like, well, you know, if, if we're going to call it a day, then I'll just head to my hotel. Um, he signs a couple books before he leaves, and she says, and he's asking her if she can recommend a, a local restaurant because he hasn't eaten since breakfast. Uh, she recommends a restaurant, but good luck getting in. 
They're fully booked tonight. And the only reason I know that is because I tried to get a reservation. I couldn't, but it turns out I know a friend who made a reservation, so I'm going with them. And he's like, okay, well, okay, great, lucky you. So she goes about her... They call it a night. He heads to the hotel. She goes to the restaurant, and um, and that's the last we see of her. He um, He's just... Gets to the hotel, uh, has dinner, calls his wife. We only hear his side of the conversation. Uh, goes on to the next bookshop, same thing no turnout um the bookseller is trying to get patrons to uh to buy the book nobody seems to be interested um and uh on his way to the next hotel two uh two policemen stop him and uh want him to talk about rebecca the bookseller from the previous night turns out that she's missing husband doesn't know where she is she never came home uh fretwell's like well when i left when we both walked out from the bookshop she was going to a restaurant and and the cops like well husband had no idea about that he's he had dinner waiting for her and she never showed up so fretwell's like well i you know i'll give you all the information i have i'll tell you whatever you need to know but um i'm heading over to the hotel because i have to continue the book tour tomorrow and it's it kind of repeats that where he just he keeps going he ends up he, he wants to get in touch with the publisher the publisher won't return his calls he's going to have dinner with the publisher publisher ends up sending somebody else the guy in charge of the poetry division and the guy in charge of the poetry division is kind of just talking up the publisher about you know that they're promoting another author at the moment another book that's taken off like gangbusters and that that writer actually is on a similar book tour where they get there like the day before fretwell and uh there's a little bit of confusion there as well the poetry guys like listen i'll i'll talk to the publisher there's a big to do tomorrow night show up there i'll leave my i'll leave your name at the door no problem um but i have to meet a young lady so, you know, go ahead and charge this to the publisher and, um, and you know, well, I'll, I'll just see you tomorrow night. Guy never, poetry guy never gives his name. So, um, Fretwell's sitting at, at outside the big to-do and, and, you know, he can't get in. Um, the cops find him again, ask him some more questions because right now it just looks like everybody's disappearing after Fretwell is done visiting them making him a suspect um it's just it's and i'm I'm being vague purposely because if you get this book i i absolutely urge you to read it i just i was absolutely captivated by the whole thing and i i feel for fretwell there are moments where you get you, you do start to see him maybe lose his temper just a little bit and and he he does he he just again he goes with the flow he's trying to just keep above water the, the tour is not going well at all he was he, he keeps checking the 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 review section because he has a friend from college who who writes reviews for for the paper and he's waiting for a favorable review from from his friend because he knows that you know his friend is very honest and and you know won't won't, won't sugarcoat it but uh 
a review, positive review from him will, of course, increase interest in sales. And uh, he ends up, I don't want to say where he ends up or how he ends up, and, and, I, and I'm not going to spoil anything in that regard, but I just, I was absolutely, um, I, I could not put it down. I, I sat down, I started reading it. I, I got aggravated because things were, would interrupt me. And, and I was just like, I just want to finish this book. I, I, it, it's, it is, it, it is one of the favorite things that, that, that I've read this year. It's, it's crazy. And it's, it's just, it's so subtle. It's so unassuming. There's nothing, it's nothing extravagant about it. It's not action packed. It would make a very interesting, um, uh, masterpiece PBS type, you know, movie. It's just the the way it's paced, the way it flows, uh, just just the conversations people have, and and uh, how Fretwell's treated, and how he treats other people. Uh, it's yeah. I just think it's 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 it is one of my favorite things. I think it, it's published by Top Shelf. Um, Andy Watson is someone I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on now for uh, for here on out because I mean after this and Paris. Um, and it is only a couple of years old. This was published in 2020, but um, um, yeah, if if you absolutely can get your hands on the book, or if you haven't read it, I uh, I urge you to. I, I thought it was a I thought it was an absolute blast and um, well worth the money I paid for it at Heroes. I would have absolutely paid uh, paid twice as much. It was um, it was great. It was great. Does Paris uh, is it in the same style? No, because Paris is uh, illustrated, oh. and he just writes it. Um, but they have worked; they, they have another book coming out um, from Image and taking place on a um, uh, on a beachside resort. Oh, Simon Gain. Simon Gain's the artist. Yeah. Um, this Andy Watts, I'm, I've been looking at it the whole time you've been talking. I got it in my cart. It's a, it's a, I'm probably gonna pull the trigger on it. Uh, but I, when I think of Andy Watson, I think of like love fights from Oni in the, in like early Oni days, um, and it was a lot more brushier and sort of like, uh, like what Scott Morse was doing back then. I sort okay. of conflate those. Like Scott Morse was like a looser version, and uh, Andy Watson was doing like a more structured, tighter version. But this stuff is a lot more like sort of inkier and like yeah. it looks like it's more like a crow quill or like a pen versus a brush. Yes, uh, and it, it's uh, it's really effective. Really, like I like it a lot better. Um, I think it's. It, I guess it's silly that I just assumed that this person would draw the exact same as they did twenty years ago. But uh, <laughs> it's a it's a nice surprise. I like this style a lot. I'll give it a look. So our boys turning fifty real soon. And, uh, <laughs> And it's cool because, because I don't, you know, listen, we talk about a lot of stuff. We do, we do. I, I raved about this book back in 2019. <laughs> love this book, absolutely love this book. I echo everything you said. I loved it. I thought it was like British, dry British humor, mm-hmm. like encapsulated in a comic in a way that I've rarely seen. I, at the time, I think I likened it to, uh, to like my love for for Douglas Adams and like people are like, why do you like Douglas Adams so much? I'm like, ah, cause you know, humor is so subjective. Yep. And like, for me, like humor, like humor that's based on the, like the mundanity of the human condition is funny, but like it has to be done in the right way. And the British seem to be great at it. And I, yeah, I love that book. And what's weird. Here's the weird thing about it. 
I I totally forgot that Andy Watson is this like the, was the same thing because when you talked about Paris, I was like, oh, that sounds dope, and I ordered Paris. I haven't read it yet. It's it's sitting in my pile, but I have it, and I didn't connect it. It's the same person. So there you go. And I have to. Um... And after I read Paris, or while I was reading Paris, and because of the I in the name, I stupidly assumed that Andy was female. But no, according to the bio in the back, uh, he lives in Worcester with his wife and daughter. So, yeah. And in your and in your defense, uh, although we generally do a good job with show notes, uh, there is no record on our website of me talking about. This yeah, so it's probably one of those and more that Vince puts out. And I just, yeah, so I got to play. Yeah. I, I got to play the part of Vince talking about something you already discussed. Not listen, it was three years ago, so I mean, you know, in a whole pandemic, but yeah, I know. Yeah, no, we do the pandemic was like 20 years in, in real life, so. right. I'm glad I could, I'm glad I could jump aboard. Nice, I just uh made a purchase. I mean, if David was like, you know, that's one thing, but if it's the both of you, then there you go, oh, coming to that's right, that's right. What you got, Tom? Got Tom. Oh. Uh, I read a book today by an old old collaborator of mine, an uh, old friend of mine, Dave Wachter, friend of the show. Aww. Uh And I don't know if it's his first ever X-Men book, but if, if not, it's one of his first, you know, first couple X-Men books. I think uh, it is. X-Men Legends number one. It's Dave uh, with a writer I haven't heard of before, Roy uh, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, colored by Edgar Delgado, um, and it's uh, X Men Legends. They're they're sort of like going back and retelling, uh, you know, classic X Men stories. And this one is uh, first Wolverine, so it's Wolverine versus the Hulk, uh, and then up until the point where Wolverine meets up with the X Men. So they're sort of like conflating some stuff together. Um, uh, but Dave, you know, like he usually does, is just drawing his ass off here. And um, we, years ago, did this book called Tell Them Johnny Wad is Here. It was a, a porno comic that didn't have any porn in it. It was an experiment. Uh, and I, I feel like I gave him a, a couple pages where he had to do a ton of panels. And I always thought felt bad about it because I was just like, man, he should really be able to let loose. But you know, a lot of the stuff that I see them... Uh, like he did that book with Steve Niles about the golem, and I feel like that he had a lot of room to breathe in. But this thing has so much story packed into it that every page is like a, it looks like a math problem figuring out how to get how to make it move. But Dave, you know, being a, a real pro and great at his job, manages to get you know like great shots into all these pages, even though like every one of them is at least you know. For the most part, like five panel pages, if and then up from there, nine panel pages and seven panel pages and stuff. And you know, when you're an artist, you just sort of want to let loose every once in a while. And Dave finds a way to, to even though all these pages are jam packed because uh, because they're compressing stories together, uh, he finds a way to really go nuts and, and give himself some cool shots. Um, I'm sure it's all digital because that's what what he's up to now. But it's the sort of stuff where you're like, oh, I would love to have Dave's. Uh, you know, Wolverine fighting Hulk pages. Um, it's cool because, you know, obviously he's, he gets to draw like the tiny mask Wolverine with the whiskers, but sort of like do his take on it and make it look neat. Um, and yeah, it's just a fun, it's a fun comic. Uh, here's something that made me feel uh, stupid. I don't know who Jack of Diamonds is. Uh, 
I read the X-Men comics when Wolverine first appeared, and I've read the first appearance of Wolverine. But somewhere in there, do you know who this is, Jason? Did you? Wait, you, you don't mean Jack of Hearts? No, Jack of Jack Winters. His friends call him Jack of Diamonds. It, maybe it's a new character, but I'm sure people are yelling at me like now, like I'm an idiot. Uh, this this guy that's fully diamond. He shows up basically in between Wolverine fighting the Hulk and then Wolverine going off to to run into the X Men. Mm. Uh, and a foe back in the uh, in the in the Stan Kirby days, uh, X Men number thirty nine. Jack of Diamonds, huh? And he died in X Men number forty two. Huh. I guess they're sort of mixing it up. Uh, yeah, it's interesting anyway. Like they they use this guy to sort of take because they're you're with you know Department H. And and they're sort of like recontextualizing and sort of like combining a bunch of stuff together. And the Department of H is like, all right, we want you to go check out these X Men. Or they don't say X Men, but the, you know these rogue mutants. Uh, and then we're we're gonna send this guy along with you. So they send Jack of Diamonds with, and Jack of Diamonds can teleport. So that's how they get from Canada to America in this in this retelling. Um, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I, is Dave drawing the whole thing? Do we know? I assume. I think so. this particular I mean, story, because if it's, I feel like it's going to continue from here. Oh, so it'll be like arcs where they do, yeah, like Roy Thomas will do an arc where they tell one story. And then yeah, like that other X Men book that they've done recently. Um, yeah, Peter David do t- with I think Brett Booth do uh, yeah, do a story that's too, right? Or, or what was the thing with, with that? Uh, Ah shit! <laughs> that was Professor X's son, Legion. Uh, Legion. Yeah, they had so they had the Legion comic, and that was called X Men uh, Legacy. Or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I feel like they had they did another thing called X Men Legacy that wasn't about Legion, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, Dave Wachter. <laughs> kicked ass on this thing. It's got a cool cover by Kerry Andrews, sort of like doing his his version of Giant Size Number One. They even did like the uh, the old timey trade dress. Although I know this from working with Marvel, uh, you know where it's supposed to say Marvel Comics Group up top. It's got the red Marvel logo instead of just the '70s style uh, because they won't let you do some other version of the logo. It has to be like the the TMNC Marvel logo that we use nowadays. Like, we did Stray Dogs covers, we would just change the image logo to whatever we wanted. Uh, but And it's a Marvel cover, they're like, you gotta use the red box, you can't do, you can't have your player little reindeer games. <laughs> so, that's a, that's a drawback, but I, I wouldn't let that stop you from buying the book. Uh, still a A-plus X-Men comic by Dave Wachter and Roy Thomas. Uh, highly recommended. Nice. Fantastic. There is a uh, a book that I suspect will be uh, laden with year-end awards and, uh, and and Eisner nominations next year. Um, it'll be one of those books people are talking about and uh, came out, I guess, last week. I don't know, maybe a week, week, week or two ago because I, I was on vacation, so I'm not sure when it arrived. But uh, but this was one of those ones I'm like, oh, i got to read this right on the spot because I think it's going to be one of those books people are finna talk about. So... Um, much like uh, the Barry Windsor Smith taking you know two decades to finish Monsters, and uh, Stereos Polyp taking what fifteen twenty years to do. 
this book uh, was also more than 20 years in the making. It is Keeping Two, T-W-O, by Jordan Crane, who uh, is a longtime indie comics darling, uh, created a zine and an anthology way back in the in the 80s, uh, much beloved by the, the comics journal. They love him, that kind of guy. Um, but um, he first drew, he drew the first 70 pages of this graphic novel uh, back in the early aughts. And he just kept coming back to it, but he, he never finished it. And he finally decided to finish it during the pandemic and, uh, and, and, and uh, was, he finally got it done and it was uh, published just recently by Fanta Graphics, of course, because Fanta kicks ass, all kinds of ass. Um, it is, uh, one of the things I love about it, it is designed to look kind of like a giant moleskin, that same kind of like feel, the pages are like moleskin pages, same size. Uh, every, the, page, the book is black and white with a lime green overlay. Every every panel's lime, got lime green overlay. Uh, very, very interesting choice. I, I don't, I don't know why he chose that, uh, but it's certainly distinctive. And uh, and I am I I'm I would love to find out why he chose to do it in lime green. Um, but uh, but but what's it about? Well, it, it is it is a book. I, I'm gonna I don't want to spoil it because the journey is worth it. It's fantastic. But but in essence, it is a story at first where it looks like it's a story of two different couples. Uh, there is a couple who are living a relatively mundane life. And they are, uh, they love each other and they live together and they're kind of like just going through it. And then and they, they nearly get into an accident. Like they just, they just, you know, one of those things where they have to slam on their brakes in their car and they just miss rear-ending somebody. And so that causes a tiff, right? Like they're like, well, you should, you know, you're distracting me, but, you know, they're like upset with each other because it was a stressful situation, but, but, enough, but nothing really came of it. Uh, at the same time, we're introduced to a couple that is, um, Dealing with a much bigger trauma, uh, the wife—well, I don't know if it's a wife, but the woman—the the, the, she has a a, a stillborn miscarriage. Uh, like to, like the baby's come to term. She goes into labor, but the baby's born, you know, dead, which is obviously horrible. Like, it's just horrendous. So you're—I know for half a year, like I'm not going to read this book. It, you know, it's definitely it's, it's it's definitely deep in that regard. Um, and and like then that couple when they go home are just vicious to each other because you know they're going through this massive trauma and like he was away he was away for work uh and had to be had to come home you know emergency to, to be with her and wasn't there for the birth so like they're just they're just flinging horribly awful things at each other you know blaming each like it just you know because they're caught up in the raw emotion of it and dealing with this loss that they don't know how to conceptualize and so i'm reading this book at first i'm like damn I'm like I don't, this book's it's going to be a journey. It's going to be an emotional journey. I don't know. If I, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm, I'm in the mindset for this. But uh, but I kept going, and and then you you quickly realize that the couple with the miscarriage are actually characters from a novel that both the the man and the woman from the other couple living the mundane life are reading, and and they're both reading the book together and discussing it, and that kind of like eases the pain because like okay, so it's like a fictional character inside of a fictional graphic novel so like i can deal with it right <laughs> you're like all right um but then where it gets really fascinating and, and this is probably gonna be the selling point for some and the turnoff for others for me it was a huge selling point um the couple are having their night or whatever and and then uh basically 
the husband implores the wife, hey, you know, why don't you – and this is th- this book was set – you know, this is set at a time when they still had like video stores. He's like, why don't you go out and uh, get us some dessert and while you're out, uh, grab a movie, you know, from the from the store. So uh, – and, and I'll do the dishes because she was like, I'm going to do these dishes. And, then, and he's like, no, no, I'll do the dishes, but you go and get us dessert and a movie. She's like, all right, bet, right? So she leaves and does that. So he's washing the dishes. And he starts um, – he, he – earlier in the day, he had found out a couple things. He had found out that his mom's dog passed away, and he had found out that a friend of theirs' brother passed away from leukemia. I know this is a real feel-good book. You're like, what the hell are you <laughs> But – the, but he but the the so he hears these two things and it freaks him out because he he's superstitious and he believes in the rule of three and it flashes back to when he was a kid and one of his buddies told him about this rule of three and talked about like the uh you know the, all the different examples of like famous people dying in the same day rule of three and 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 this this family they knew were three of them and so he just he's superstitious and just believes in it and he's like freaked out because he's like well there's two, there's always the third. And his wife's like, are you daft? Like, one of them's a dog. A dog doesn't count the rule of three. Like, that's unrelated. And he's like, no, no, it's the same. You know, like, my mom loved that dog. And so he's, like, totally wigging out about who's the third, you know. So his wife goes out to run errands, and dude starts getting in his feelings. He starts worrying that what if his wife is the third? Mm. And he starts thinking about all the ways that, like, she could be dying right now, like, and he's freaking out because she's running a little, like, she's taking longer at the store than he than he expected, and he can't reach her phone. Like, he's trying to call her, can't reach her. So he's like, "Oh my god!" You know, he's thinking, and it's different scenes. Like, he's thinking, like, she gets killed in a car wreck, she gets she gets murdered, she gets attacked, you know, all these things, and it's just it's just killing him. You know. Meanwhile, like, they flash to her, and she's just like at the store, like looking at movies. You know, going getting their ice cream. Like, she's chilling, but like, he's losing his mind. And then, and then she, through another course of, of their of their events, has a similar thing where she starts worrying about like what happens to him, and uh, and it's just like it's this fascinating look at the the fear of loss. And the reason I say it, it really drew me in is that I have this issue uh, now. Like it definitely comes and goes, but there was a time when I was just graduated college, I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey. For some of you that from this area, you know, it's a you know, real happening sort of town, very just adjacent to, to New York. And it's all young, you know, college pe- post-college grads on the come up. At least it was back then. Now it's more gentrified and like cause a lot of them stayed and got bougie. But, but back then it was like a basically a party town where everybody worked a lot of hours and then partied hard and it was all young people. We had a great time. But, but I lived there uh, with roommates and, and my now wife uh, was going to grad school at the time and lived at home with her parents. But she would come and stay with me, obviously, a lot. And she was going to grad school uh, maybe, like, 45 minutes from from our apartment in Hoboken. And, like, I just had this un... And this was... I'm old enough that this was before, like, we had easy cell phones and you could reach everybody. So, like, I would get so freaking paranoid and worried about her because, I, I mean, Hoboken was great, but it was also... And, you know, it was an urban setting. And, like, there weren't easy parking spots back then because there weren't garages. So, like... She would have to drive and then find a parking spot, and sometimes it was blocks away. So, like, I just would always get worried, like, what if she gets mugged? Like, is she safe out there? You know, like, what, like, and it was all in my head. Like, she was always perfectly fine, but, like, if she was running late, I would get totally freaked out and be like, oh, my God, you know. And then when I became a parent, same thing. Like, 
when my kids first got their licenses, you know, like if they were, if, if I didn't hear from them or they were gone for longer than I expected, like, oh my God, they are like, did they get an accident? I'll be driving, you know, just going, doing errands and I'll see, you know, an ambulance across the way and, and just completely unjustifiably worried. It's like one of my family members that got in the accident, you know, like even though it's a one in a hundred fifty thousand chance. Right. But, but like, I just, and then I'd, I'd wait until I see the car and I'm like, oh, okay, it's another car. It's just always been something that's affected me, you know. I, I'm 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 par- I'm partial to that kind of phobia. So this book, I was like, I know exactly what these people went through. Like like the, I have had moments like this where I have this totally illogical, unsubstantiated fear of like the worst things happening to the people I love, and that's really what this book is about. And it goes from there into these really fascinating things, and and it has and and, and it ties back into the book that they're reading, and and there, there's a, a journey here that I'm trying to be vague about because i think it really pays off and by the end of the book i think it's like incredibly well crafted i mean it's 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 not just a story about all this it's just really tightly well crafted and and has a really satisfying arc um but but yeah it just it totally pulled me in um you know visually this like i said it looks like a giant moleskin it's mostly six panel grid pages um every now and then you know he'll combine two of the panels to make it a five panel or maybe a four panel but it's generally six panel grid uh, and it's a very, very simple line, but it's clean. Like he uses very tight lines. It's not scratchy. It's it's very like the character models are pretty consistent, and uh, and it definitely has some pretty groovy layouts and some graphical choices. And um, I mean, I think he's a good renderer. The, the faces they have those dot eyes, kind of like a tin tin look, you know, like the, the little like pin prick pencil prick eyes type of thing with with real tiny noses and mouths. But I think it's very effective. Um, I think he's a very good visual storyteller, and and admittedly, even though uh, Jordan Crane has put, has been around the block for thirty plus years in, in indie comics, I'm not that familiar with his work. So, this is my first deep experience with his work. But uh, man, oh man, you know, I have to say, there's something to these creators taking two decades to make their books because every time one of them does it, they 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 drop a banger on us. Uh, and I think this is a masterpiece. And I think, like I said, I think. Uh, it's uh, it's August now. I think in four months, when when all the best of twenty twenty two lists come out, you're going to see this on a lot of these lists. And uh, uh, so I do highly recommend it. You know, Fantagraphics is just. I mean, the, the last few years, I think they've had an impeccable run, as good a run as they've ever had, in my opinion. And I think this is just another feather in their cap. So, so definitely check it out. Like I said, it's called Keeping Two uh, by Jordan Crane. And uh, yeah, and, and again, if you're one of those people like me that have ridiculous fears like this, then it's going to be right up your alley. Yeah, sounds great. great. Yeah. Well, you guys both have anxiety. If you have anyone who has anxiety about these things or like you worry about yeah. stuff, like you'd appreciate this book. Oh, all the time. It's like, yeah, I know you're the same. It's like, you just, it's like, it's irrational, right? Like, you know, I'm sure like Renee's like 15 minutes late and you're like, oh, sure, sure. Right? Like, you know, like it's just like, it's just the way, I don't know. It's just, you know, I don't God forbid the weather's bad, but yeah, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, 100%, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Because you trust them, you 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 trust you trust your spouse. You don't know what anybody else is 100%. doing. Hundred percent, and it's yeah, just even like with my kids. Like they're good drivers, but I'm always like, oh, what if, you know, what if? Yep. What if a drunk driver hits him? What if? What if, you know? Like it's never like me where like they fucked up. It's like, but life is full of of random tragedy, right? You know. So, well, shit. Just look at me anytime in, in, in the old house. If any rain was coming, fuck that. Oh, I just yeah, shut yeah, the fuck down. Vexed. I was yeah, done. Vexed. Yeah. 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 It's true. John Crane did a book in the early aughts called Uptight. Okay. Uh, and I remember liking that a lot. And then I, I guess I just sort of forgot, what, you know, that he was around. But yeah, this is cool. It's cool that he's back with something substantial like this. In Googling, it looks like he was sort of doing that thing where you release 
like he released parts of this. So there's like a volume one and a volume two that are both uh, prohibitively expensive online. And you can yeah, yeah. Thing. I read a cool interview with him. You know how the Comics Journal sometimes does those things where one cool creator interviews another one? Yeah. So um, Katie Skelly, who I'm a big fan of her work, she interviewed Jordan uh, last month, actually. Uh, well, it's July, yeah, July, last month, uh, about this. Uh, and uh, yeah, and he talked about that and how he, he had actually had this plan to redraw the first. 70 pages because it had been so long but then and then he referenced how much he loved optic nerve and and it totally drew me in because he mentions how if you if you've read optic nerve right his the 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 artistic style and and frankly quality is like night and day because obviously the first parts of optic nerve were drawn when tomini was 17 years old right so um and by the end he's an accomplished cartoonist and so he's like, you know, I figured if it was good enough for Optic Nerve, like, I'd just let it be. And it's funny because the first chapters of this book stylistically are light. I mean, they are just very, very polished. I mean, it, you you cannot – I don't think you can really notice that there's a major stylistic change between the early chapters and the later chapters. So he's he's been – he's being very self-deprecating and comparing him, himself to Optic Nerve in my opinion because – and I think that's part of the charm. Like I talked a couple months back about that collection of the, all the optic nerve stuff and the mini comics, and and I thought it was really charming to see his work evolve. But but that being said, I mean I, that was a much starker point A to point point Z, right? Whereas this, I, I don't I don't think there's much there's not much. He was already fully formed by the time he started this book, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. His his stuff in the in the early aughts was was uh, accomplished. You know, like it was cool. It was sort of like that cool. You know, you get like one, one or two issues out of a thing where it has like a, a heavy paper stock on the cover, and you, and you knew it was. It, yeah, I mean, everybody was sort of doing their own, right? Doing personal anthology books. Yeah, for sure. Should we talk Park Girl since we all read it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a. A, a abstract studio orama <laughs> yes <laughs> the first one of those probably not uh oh yeah probably because yeah i don't know that yeah vince isn't a huge fan as we know yeah um he's not here terry fascinates me right because uh, first of all he's he and his wife robin are incredibly nice people mm-hmm. i had the good fortune to, to chat him up at many a con and they're they're wonderful people um, and I have heard Terry interviewed. It's been a while, but he he was a fixture on CGS on Comic Geek Speak. He he would uh, come on there quite frequently to talk about uh, you know his work. So 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 I feel like I I do have some context for where he's coming from. Um, but it's been a while. Um, it's been a while. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this is you know t- Terry tried to move away from you know his 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 like he he tried to branch off into other things and i feel and this is pure conjecture i don't know that he feels this way but i feel like at some point along that journey he realized that like you know people didn't care as much about like his other stuff you know what i mean like uh so he was like well I'm going to go back to Strangers in Paradise adjacent. And he did that at first by making some of these other stories part of a shared universe, right? All of them. Uh, 
Yeah, all of them. No, but I'm saying, but like, I don't know that that I don't recall that that was the intent when it when when right. um when it, when they offered when the first uh, I can't can't think of the name of the uh, the one with uh, yeah, thank you. Um, but like now he's kind of like gone full circle where he's now just fully embraced it. Like we right, like we just had this, we just had the the Strangers in Paradise. Was it twenty five? Was it was it twenty twenty five? What was it called? That 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 miniseries. And and then oh, we just yeah. had the the next the last miniseries, which tied everything from all of these other spinoff works that he's done uh, all together, kind of a big crossover. Uh, and then we just had uh, Serial, which was a longer form book, but it was based on one of the characters from one of his other books from Rachel Rising. And uh, and you know now I think he's given us fan service, which is he's bringing us directly back into the SIP world with uh, for those that have read Strangers in Paradise. The Parker Girls, which is the name of this new book, you know that name because that's what uh, Kachu, the one of the two leads of, of it, she was a Parker girl, and that referred to basically a group of uh, female spies or uh, espionage experts. They were they whatever they needed to be, right? They would be high end prostitutes or or or, or assassins, wh- whatever their boss needed them to be to corner to garner power and influence they they were uh you know and uh and and she was she was a lapsed parker girl but 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 over the course of strangers in paradise you learn all about their history and the characters and everything and and and, um and this is this book basically is is about the parker girls only now it's set post all that where tanby who was this super muscular uh almost looks like like i guess doesn't just look like he's a bodybuilder like super super jacked up blonde she's become the head of, of of the parker girls because the former head spoilers is long long dead um so yeah i mean this first issue was basically intro- reintroducing us to that by by setting us up with with a a, a scenario of, of a, a parker girl is washed up ashore at a, at a beach in turks and Caicos. shout out one of our favorite places to uh to vacate and uh and and shit's hitting the fan because it's not usual for a Parker girl to get got. So, uh, and we're, we're, we get a glimpse into the, some of the new players, some of the key girls and, 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 you know, kind of just sets the table for this, for this, at least first adventure we're about to go on. So, um, I loved it. I mean, I'm a mark for Terry Moore stuff. I love his art style is incredible. I could, could, I, I'm, I've never seen him draw something I disliked. Um, yeah. And I thought it was terrific. Uh, so curious what you guys thought. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm the same. Uh, like I, I have pretty much the same feeling you have about sort of like these books have taken. Um, but I do think he sort of found a cool like solution for it in that he does these you know twelve issue like every year he does a different book. Yeah. So he can jump and do like last year he did the Rachel Rising spinoff and this year he's doing a Strangers in Paradise spinoff and you know like there's. You assume he could go do, you know, like a Echo spinoff or do more Motor Girl or whatever. Um, the like where I feel like it got the most up its own ass was when they, you know, they did that five years thing, where it's just like everybody from you know it was like the, yeah, the Battle of the Network Stars, yeah, everybody from Strangers in Paradise and every but somehow they all ended up you know that was a lot. But this I feel feels more like Serial, which I dug, where it's just like you got a story. And it's a murder mystery. It looks like, or, or 
or this Parker girl washing up on the beach is going to draw the wrong kind of attention to the Parker girls. And so it's sort of like a Tambi story. It's like I can see a lot of different directions that it, that it might go from here. Uh, so I'm, I'm on board for it. I dig it. Um, but but when it got announced, I was the Parker girls was always my least favorite part of Strangers in Paradise. Really interesting. OK. Like what I showed up for, what I wanted was just Francine, Francine Cachu stuff. The love um, affair, the love story. And when you read the first three issues, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. She beats up that guy in jail. And then when the regular series starts, it's like, Terry's like, well, what are we going to do here? And so, so then he's like, oh, remember when she did that crazy thing to that guy in jail? Like, maybe that's because she's a secret agent and blah, 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 you know. So, like, if you just read that Antarctic Press miniseries, it's just a sweet story about these two girls. And then for, for the next 10 years or whatever, it's this, you know, like, Francine's still a sweet girl and she's going through all her stuff. But it turns out that Kachu has the craziest backstory you could possibly imagine, you know. Uh, and, and, like, it's a fun, like, it's one of my favorite comics. But if they would have just done, you know... 60 issues of just those two going through their shit and and not involving espionage or you know high-end prostitutes and stuff like that like i feel like i might have been just as uh just as down for it also when uh francine gets married to that guy and (laughs) he's a musician and then like every issue starts off with a song that that guy wrote and i don't know how to read music so i'm just like this is good i don't know uh that stuff I was less into. I just want them two together, which I guess is like what a good storyteller does is it shows you what you want and then it makes you, you know, wait until you finally get it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's sort of what when they did the Strangers in Paradise 25, which led into the five years, like the very beginning of it, you get like he gives you what you want. It's Francine, it's Kachu. They're together. They live in a cabin somewhere. You know, somebody's aunt is there. It's like a beautiful situation. I just want to see that. And then all of a sudden, Kachu's like, "Well, wow, somebody stole a <laughs> like an ancient artifact, and I got to go chase it." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm just like, "Well, god, god damn it!" You know, well, it's like, like sleepery. You know, she gets activated. Yeah, yeah, but the, like, I guess it's silly for me to still be hoping that the the promise of the three issues that I signed on for when I was 14 years old or whatever. Uh, it keeps getting diverted to what that book actually turned out to be, you know. Uh, and and like I say, like I dig it. Uh, but if if they just if they just did one called like you know date night, and it was just those two gals talking to each other, because that's I think my favorite Terry Moore thing is is the way he does conversations and the way he does characterization and like flirting and stuff like that. It's it, like he's better at that than almost anybody in comics. Yeah. So I feel, and and there's some of that in this, you know, like when she seduces this guy, uh, the Parker girl in this book, she seduces a guy at a resort and takes him for a bunch of money. And when she's doing that, like she, you know, when they're having drinks and stuff, it's classic, you know, Terry Moore back and forth. Um, but yeah, and then and and then like there's a it it twists and it becomes the thing that it's going to be. So I'm down for it. Uh, I don't know. This is sort of a a medium lukewarm like what what's your favorite stuff that terry moore does well nothing's ever touched strangers in paradise for me yeah but my experience was a little bit different um strangers in paradise was one of those comics because i was really basically a marvel zombie that i'd always see in store at the you know at the shop and and people would talk about and then like i said i mean like many of us we we came up 
when CGS was getting going, and they were such huge fans of it. Uh, you know, Deemer and, and Jamie in particular. And then they started having Terry on, and they would talk about each of the phone books. They, now, that that was, this is, for those that don't read, like, Strange in Paris was being uh, published at the time, being released in these uh, thick digest phone books, we called them, and um, they were the size, a little, like, more like manga-sized. Yeah, it's uh, format. Yeah, and, and so I think at a Wild Pig sale, uh, you know, I just was like, oh, they, they had them all, you know, and it was like this crazy 50% off sale or something. So I bought them all, like, like because I'm an impulsive freak. So, I mean, I, I hadn't read any of it, and I bought all of them at once. And then I went home, and over a weekend, I read the entire series. And this was after the series was over. The series ended in 20, the, the original series ended in 2007. And this was probably like 2008 or 2009. I don't think we were doing the show yet. Uh, so it had to be, had to be right around then. So, uh, like right before we started the show, I think. And, uh, I read the entire run. I read 107 issues of the comic in like two days. (laughs) I was like totally engrossed. And, uh, so for me, like the, 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 the espionage thing is just so integral to it because I remember being so shocked at the fact that there was this other angle to it. Uh, and I really liked it. I liked the characters. I loved Tamby. I mean, I liked Darcy. I, the whole thing worked for me. I mean, I, I just view I don't I don't view it as as distinctive pieces. I view it as as to me like this is integral to what made like to Strangers in Paradise. You know what I mean? So yeah. So I probably have a little bit of, of I'm going into it a little bit more excited than you are because I I uh, I'm much more excited about this than I have been for Echo and Motor Girl uh, and the like. You know, yeah. So, I, I think I like like Strangers in Paradise up top, of course, and then I like uh, Motor Girl and I like Rachel Rising. Uh, like Motor Girls really surprised me how much I liked it, and that was another one where it seemed like they were uh, like trying something completely different outside of the box. Like those Echo, Rachel Rising, Motor Girl that. Like that and Strangers in Paradise are pretty much the whole, like, Terry verse or whatever, right? Yeah, I own a page from Rachel Rising. I mean, so that's definitely my favorite non SIP book for sure uh, that that he's done. Um, yeah, so Dap. Yeah, now if I recall, you have read a lot of Strangers in Paradise, but you haven't read the end, right? No, uh, I've read very little. I've read the first oh, book. That. Yeah, uh, it's 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 her thing, and it's fine. It's 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 a cute little joke we have. Um, oh, Renee's lo- read it, right? Yes. Actually, I don't think. Yeah, she didn't read the end because she doesn't want right, it to end. Right. Um, we we well, you know. It doesn't. Say again. Good news, it does not. Well, right, but it's at the, the time, time yes. Uh, you know, she. she I bought. Um, I've got. Uh, Kachu in a tub statue behind me. I've got a Francine and Kachu bust behind me that used to be in her room and, and ended up, you know, got overrun with other stuff, so I kind of have it now. But um, I have the, the complete Echo massive book. I started Motor Girl, didn't, didn't finish it. Um, just something I keep meaning to. Rachel Rising, I read a good chunk of. Um, it's weird that I don't seem to finish Terry's work, but... Um, but I had, you know, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the Parker Girls concept vaguely, 
so this was I went in completely blind without um so I bet you were a little lost then well a little bit I think it's still a good um because the Parker name Parker rang a bell but because uh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure if it was the last name of 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 um of Kachu, but um yeah I, I think this is whether you know you're returning to Terry's universe or you know you're kind of going in blind I think this is something that um can it 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 kind of has its hooks in me I want to say I mean there, there was there was the slight slight moment where um I missed the change in location and I didn't realize we were in Malibu when when they found mm-hmm. Piper's body and I thought that we were still at, at Turks Camp but then you know I I, I quickly fix that in my head but right i agree that the the there's like a couple pages in one of the parker girls brutally kills an old dude in turks and caicos who was eyeing up her mark and then like the next page the other parker girls washed up on the beach and there's a moment where i was like wait a minute i'm like she's yeah. got the guy the guy here like, <laughs> exactly it's like did terry like the, how did the guy get the upper hand she she punched she she threw his face into a rock, but yeah, no, but but I agree. It, 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 he didn't quite pull. He, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be called a, it wouldn't be a tangent, but it was like it was yeah, a little bit of a strange a strange uh, page turn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's you know it, getting past that and then just catching up on it, and then of course you, know, you you get a little bit of info on you, you see Tambi working out and and um, and they're kind of the cherry's filling her in, uh, and then we're back at the resort and, and I'm, I'm just having a blast with that. And, and it, it, she's obviously playing him. I don't know that at the time, are, are these aside from Tamby, are either of you familiar with any of the Parker girls that we've seen in this book or are they all new to the group or, or new to you? I can't keep track of them. Okay. No, right. yeah, no. I mean, Tamby, like I said, is long established, and she's the right. head of the park now. But no, but, the others are new. Okay, they're new. Uh, so yeah, so I, I just the, the whole, the whole con game, I, I got a kick out of, and 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 the whole thing with the 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 crypto, I'm like, well, that's that that, that that's current AF, and I mean that that's, um, I could see me getting suckered like that, especially with a hot girl. But it it it's it's it just absolutely absolutely. Um, um, Made me chuckle at, at 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 the end, and then and and then it just you know, it is it. I don't want to say it's a done in one, and and you get kind of, you do sort of kind of get a complete story as far as the mark, but uh, but then there's the mystery, and and that's that that's where I want to see um, where we go. So yeah, I'll be I'll be checking this out. Um, maybe it'll be a Terry book I actually finish, but I will be checking this out uh, for the foreseeable future. I liked it a lot. Who do we think the old guy was? You think that's another mystery? You think it's like a double mystery? Yeah, maybe, it... maybe maybe there'll be another dude following another Parker girl when she's on her next assignment. Cause it... Yeah, I can't see it just being completely un, 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 undiscussed, right? I mean, or myself. unless this, un, un, but it, I mean, yeah, because he looked like an old scraggly dude. Like, why would why would Homeboy's firm, the accountant, where, where he was an accountant, if that was actually true, why would yeah. why would they hire this dude? To take homeboy out for stealing ten million bucks, it's 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 weird. It is, yeah. It, it was another just, uh, yeah. I, I gotta see where that goes. 
Now, Dap, like T- Tambi is interesting because she's kind of like in professional wrestling parlance. She she's had a, a face turn because because through most of Strangers in Paradise, she is she's the lead enforcer. Well, her and her she has a twin. She had a twin sister named uh, Bambi, Tambi and Bambi, and, uh, and and they're the they're the lead enforcers for Darcy Parker and uh, and and are you know straight up bad bitches. I mean, they, and they they are very much antagonists for most of the series to uh to Francie and Kachu. Well I mean to Kachu mostly. But um but then over the like things happen and then she ends up becoming you know, like I said, she has like a face turn and now she's 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 the head of it, but like her and Kachu are tight. And it's this isn't again I guess I'm spoiling a book that's fifteen plus years <laughs> old, but but uh but Bambi uh Tambi and Bambi are uh could choose sisters. They're, right. they're her half sister. Yeah. So, and that like the the twist is that the Parker girls used to be like when Darcy Parker ran it, it was it was taking advantage of of like strung out young girls with troubles and 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 then also using them to get you know important men twisted up into you know shenanigans. And then now I guess it's just that they're they're not taking advantage of women anymore. Is that the like I don't remember what the difference was between the the Darcy Empire and Tambi's. Yeah, so I mean, so Tambi kills Darcy after things yeah. go, go go fall apart. Um, yeah, well, no, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, for Darcy basically took girls off the street, kind of like in in other in other works, people are obviously more can like you know turning you know they used to say pimps would turn 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 girls oh. out you know. But only instead of turning them out, they she she. I mean, they were they were prostitutes, but they were also incredibly skilled at like hand to hand combat and espionage, and so they were they were. But yeah, no, and, and right, Tambi's running things now. They are still a badass group of uh, a crime syndicate of, of of females. But yeah, she's not pouring them out and you know fucking them all and stuff like Dar- you know Darcy fucked them all and right, that's right, yeah, yeah. But she was like her favorite, like she was her girlfriend. Uh, and that was the beef, right? Because Kachu got away, but it wasn't just one of the Parker girls got away. It was like her number one, her. Yeah, you know. and she was. She would stop at nothing to to yeah. get her. Yeah, I gotta give a give that book a reread. I love that thing. I yeah, I mean it's it's I think it, it's one it's of my favorite co- co- long long form books ever. I mean, I I really do like it that much. I think it's phenomenal. I read it when it was coming out, and then I read the when I. When it finished, I went back to the beginning and read all the issues. And then when I got all the phone books, I read all the phone books. So thought, it's interesting too because when the book was coming out, people gave Terry lots of praise for because for those that don't know, um, the the women aren't like they're not all drawn like comic book pinup women, right? But yeah, In partic- particular Francie. Right, Francie is is a, a she's she's very much got body image issues like her of her for herself. Uh, throughout the book, she, like many people, myself included, is a yo-yo. She, there are times when she's really fit. There are also times when she's really heavy set and feels bad about herself. And 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 you know, Kachu's always basically fixed. She's again, she's like this bad bitch spy. But but like she's always she loves Francie no matter what. But Francie doesn't really love herself. And so when that was coming out, like people gave Terry. Hosanna's. They were like, dude, you know, it's great to see you representing women in a positive way. And it's just funny how the world changes because I see a lot of 
like him getting shade now by like people saying like oh you know this you know this this cis male dude like he you know trying to capture the voices of women he's not oh, a woman like Jesus. and it's like I don't get that man because like it's like I mean again like I'm not a woman but like I mean I don't think like you have to like I read that book I mean it seems I don't know I mean it seems pretty like progressive in all of his ways right like it's like does he get it perfect I don't know like would it be different if a woman were to sure but like damn I mean. I mean, I think I think dude represents, you know, and, and and he's got a long-term. I mean, Robin is his wife, but she's his business manager. Her, his her, she's fifty-fifty partner. She owns it all. Like she, like, and I mean, she's been his editor. So like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I I don't understand the pushback that he gets sometimes now. You know, but but that's also one of the reasons I've quit places like Twitter because I I think that's probably a small 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 voice of people that that like to complain about everything, and it's it's probably mm-hmm. not indicative of average fan thinks of him and his work. I know yeah, for... Sir. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And that's that thing where you look at a thing that's existed for... You know, it's like when they were trying to, to cancel, like, John Wayne. It was just like, all right, well, <laughs> you know, like it already is here. You know, like, this, are, this already is here. And so, would it have been great if, you know, 30 years ago or whatever Strangers in Paradise came out, if it was, you know, like a, a woman or, like, a queer person or, you know, whatever... Like yeah, that'd be cool, but it wasn't. It was this guy, and he, you know, he did. The, he made this lifetime's worth of work, and so at, at this point, the, you know, the, like this is the, this is the Terry Moore that we got. Uh, and I'm, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, at the heart of this, it was a story about, you know, a queer women who fell in love with each other, like yeah, which is pretty cool. And again, like that's not that's fortunately not that unusual now in comics, like. Oh, but, at the time, but, but at the time it was super unusual. Yeah, it was like what? Well, and and I remember, you know, the the thing was is like again, comics has changed a lot for the better. It's a much more diverse, both in terms of the creators and the readership. But like twenty years ago, when this book was super hot and we were all talking about, it, like it was a bunch of like twenties and thirty year old straight white dudes who were like used to going to the shop and buying their capes and cow comics, and all of a sudden we were all reading this book yeah. and we're like captivated by it. So I think there was some magic to it. Like for I think for a lot of people this was one of their first forays in LGBTQ storytelling at least on the comics front for sure. Oh, absolutely. But I yeah. think also this is like a sort of it bridges a gap, you know, where it's 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 not as it's not fanographics and it's not Marvel, but it's not it's sort of like in between you know like indie black and white comics and regular Wednesday comics because it is serialized, it is genre. Um, but and so I'm sure there were like LGBTQIA stories being told back then. You know, no, that's like, I mean, I, I mean, like a breakthrough hit, like yeah. that, that that got people like us to to add this to our pile, right? Yeah, it showed up in Wizard and stuff, you know? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and I've said this a million times because Vince always groans when we talk about Terry, but then he always has to acquiesce to Terry's line. I, I mean, Terry draws; he has an incredibly beautiful line. I mean, he draws beautiful things, like. Even even Francie, when she's at her heavier side and is feeling herself not feeling attractive, I think he draws her to be beautiful, right? Like like it like he just has a really clean, crisp line, and everything he draws—vehicles, buildings, landscapes—is just gorgeous. I mean, this is you know again where it's different from some of the other indie stuff that we may love is that the the visuals are just impeccable yeah. and like super tight, you know. Yeah, his storytelling is like, I mean, how could it not be if you've drawn, you know, 200 plus issues, you know, like, but it's very nuanced and 
and like and fun and and self-assured you know like it's just it yeah it's cool that he's stayed his own thing for this long he, you know like i get bummed out when somebody gets wrapped up in you know like they make their indie book and then it's like oh i got sucked up by you know corporate comics for 10 years when i'm in my prime or i, I went and made the tv show and, and missed the you know the last years that i was good at writing you know like, I feel like we see that stuff happen, and Terry's just sort of been there cranking, putting these books together, and he's gotten, you know, very good at it. Like, that uh, um, serial, we talked about it on here, I think, one of the last times I was on, but, like, it's just a tight, cool, little, you know, serial killer mystery thing that's mm-hmm. creepy, and, and yeah, it ties into his other thing, but, he, you know, like, he knows how to tell a story, and he and he yeah. pays something out, and, yeah, that's one, I actually saw the collection for that in the store today and i didn't grab it because I'll, I'll i'll get the hardcover at some point but that's one yep. that i'd love to go back and and look at again because i just like that character and i, I thought mm-hmm. that, that was really neat and because it always has to come back to original art uh i love that terry charges 450 dollars for every page he's ever drawn is that what it is yeah it's 450 and he hasn't really changed it because i bought the rachel rising page Close to a decade ago, whenever that was coming out, I, I bought it as it was coming out. It was four fifty then, which again, like four fifty then was a lot more than four fifty now. But even even if you go to his website now, it's it's he has pages from all of his works available for four hundred fifty bucks. Doesn't matter what the pages. So I got one. Uh, Shannon got me one from Strangers in Paradise uh, when we were first going out, uh, and uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know what she paid for it, but that's well, she paid four hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. Yeah, she hooked you up. I still have it. Take that when she left me. Oh uh, my god! Oof. I mean, look, we're getting real here. <laughs> <laughs> she did get we uh, like. Uh, I, me and my wife split up over COVID, uh, and we did have to like break up the original art collection a little bit. And she she stuck it to me a couple times. I was like, "Oh, you don't care about that? Why are you doing this to me?" Uh, wow. We had a Chaken page from uh, from Satellite Sam. He did the that Tijuana Bible. Remember the one? Yeah, they, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a, like a sexy page, and that was like a three way. And she was like, "I'm taking that," and I was like, "What? That's- wow!" <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Saucy. Damn. Damn. You didn't know. She's like that, I guess. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. I had a feeling. Huh. <laughs> oh, no, I did. Well, yeah, I just that that that's me. Don't worry about it. Um, no, I, I um, it's weird. Renee was for a long time. She, I mean, even though Terry's name's all over the book and he's the writer and artist, she she, and you know, listen, dudes, there there are some people who are just in touch and and can write women well, but she swore up and down that uh, that Robin was writing it or at least had a heavier hand in it than it just you know. Terry Moore, writer artist of, of Strangers in Paradise. Well, I'm sure there were people, you know, before there was an internet or YouTube or whatever, that would just assume that Terry's a woman, you know, like Ted's right, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Andy, no, he's a he's a very pleasant gentleman from Texas. He is, yeah, They're very unassuming. I think we have kids. You never hear about that, like. Every once in a while, because they do the this YouTube show, Studio Sundays, where they do like a Q&A, and then they'll do some sort of art lesson. And every once in a while, they'll talk about their kids. I'm just like, what? Crazy. It wouldn't hurt me at all that he has children. Yeah. 
he never did. Well, they that. have to be what in their in their mid to late fifties now, right? Well, yeah, it would make sense that they, they've been together this long. They would they would be a kid or something, but yeah, I'm saying their kids are probably like they're empty nesters at this point. I would assume. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's so frightening to me that I can actually see that on the horizon. Like it's <laughs> it's it's within the like it's still five years, but it's like five years goes in a blink of an eye when you get old. Yeah, that's nothing. It's crazy. Good thing I still like my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just say that with all that pepper on it like that. Come on, bro. Ah, oh, it's my lady, dude. I just got my new wedding band today. That's you right. Know, is it like a... you like redoing your vows or something? No, no. I um, So we were in Mexico last week, which is why I wasn't on the show. I had an absolutely wonderful time. It was phenomenal. Nicest resort I've ever been to. Uh... Perf- really perfect, honestly. I'd, I'd go back tomorrow, um, but you know, as you know, I've uh, you know, I've, I've been I've been doing that fitness thing pretty hard now for a while, oh, and no. uh, and so I, my wedding band, um, my wife and I are just about to hit our this month actually will be our our twenty second uh, wedding anniversary, and I have uh, basically not taken my wedding band off for twenty two years. I, I I I sleep with it, I shower with it, I just don't ever take it off. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, so like, so it's just a part of me, really, and um, and you know, I've again, I've, I'm fortunate, I feel good, feel dropped a lot of lbs. So, so my my ring finger, uh, my, the ring, my ring wouldn't have gotten very, very loose to the point where I could like just pull it on and off. And I was actually like in the habit the last you know bunch of months of just like on off, on off, on off. Um, and then like it's so weird, dude. Like talk about that. We were at a party. Uh, a going away party for some friends that are moving to Colorado, and we're at this party, and and you know I'm I'm pretty much like a recluse because you know my town is like mega trumper, so the wifey the wifey still does her thing like she goes and socializes a lot with her ladies, but like I don't it needs to be a special thing for me to come out of the uh, the wood manor you know <laughs> I'm like you know I'm the old recluse in the wood manor, but this was one of those occasions where I was like yeah I'm gonna go to be you know I want to see these people off so so I went, but again I'm not people these. The townies don't see me often anymore, so uh, so it was nice. Like you know, I went and, and it was a very good time. But like I was there, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people hadn't seen me. It's like, oh man, you know, you look great, blah blah blah. You know, congrats and all that. I'm like, oh thanks, you know, whatever. And like one of Beth's friends, is like, oh my god, you're first of all, she's like, you know, you lost some weight. Your, your ring looks so loose, like out of nowhere. She's like, I'm like, what? She's like, your ring. Look how loose your your wedding ring is on your finger. It's like you need to get that resized. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, it is really loose. I'm like, but you know, it's fine. I'm like, I don't. It's it's like I'm like, it's it's fine. Thank you though for noticing. And I thought it was like really weird that she noticed it, right? Dude, wouldn't you know that a week later, <laughs> we're in Mexico, twenty two years I had this thing, and we're about to. Well, not we're about to. We we signed up to do this thing where you could uh, swim through an a, a cave, like a, a beautiful underwater cave with all kinds of you know amazing stalactites and whatnot and uh but you're like swimming it's like a river you know so we jump into the river and uh like as i like, jump as, as i jump into the river like i'm like i i could like i could feel the ring like fly out like float off my finger and i'm like oh my and you know i reach down but of course like it's like it's a it's an underwater river like i mean like there's no chance of me finding the ring but i'm like and my family's like what's going on I'm like my wedding ring just fell off and they're all like, "What?" 
And my, my two older boys are, are lifeguards. You know, they're really good swimmers and they're lifeguards they do for the summer. So they're like, oh, they start diving in, you know, whatever. And uh, it wasn't very deep. It was probably like 10 feet deep. But but it's, you know, it's, it's first of all, it's in a cave. So it's super dark. And like, you, anyway, they're diving for it and, and whatever. And, uh, and and to the resort's credit, like, uh, I, I turned to the, the guards and said, I, I just lost my wedding band. And, uh, you know, I thought they were going to be like, well, you know, that sucks. Like, tough, you know tough titties but but to their credit like even though it was basically like trying to find a needle in a thousand haystacks four guards all come up like after like 10 minutes they're like wait here and, and they come and they get full scuba gear and like they're on it and they dive in and like they're looking and we're sitting there for like an hour now and i'm you know i'm i'm sitting there thinking like well they're not gonna find it but they were looking with flashlights underwater and kept looking kept looking and finally after like an hour i'm like you guys have you know appreciate that but you're not gonna you know you're not gonna find it and they're like yeah but they were like we're gonna continue to look you know like honestly we don't mind like we'll like anytime we have downtime we'll, we'll dive in and look like on our, and i'm like well thank you for that i appreciate that so, so i'm not even sure but who knows one in a million shot they find it I, I i'm not counting on the finding but point is lost my wedding band that i had worn for 22 years so i was like totally distraught but to my wife's credit she was like relax like it's fun like it's 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 a piece of metal like 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 it's all good you know you can get a new wedding band like it's it's cool and and kind of put me at ease but uh yeah so i i when i got home i i looked into it and i ordered myself a, a new wedding band and uh it arrived today so very excited it on on facebook right now it's cooler yeah yeah Tough. much cheaper the way than to the go. original so yeah the original was platinum uh this is tungsten steel so am i um the one that i wore when when we eloped I had a um it was gold it had a uh had a small diamond and um i banged my hands around a lot at work moving equipment typing away always mucking about and before the diamond could get loose and you could also see i'm scratching the hell out of it um renee decided that uh she was going to go ahead and get me something else that i could bang around on and she I, I came home one day she took the old one off my finger put put this tungsten one on and i mean i I love it. I guys, I love the weight of it. I I know a lot of my friends, a lot of uh, I got a couple of coworkers, some of my neighbors. They all seem to be digging the uh, the silicone jams, and those are cool because you know you can color coordinate depending on your mood. They're inexpensive. You don't care if you really kind of lose them or whatnot. But um, I don't know. I just I like the feel of the jewelry, and and yeah, like you, it hasn't. Mine doesn't come off. I don't. I don't remember the last time I I, I took this off to do anything. Yeah, and to your point about the silicon, uh, this this place I ordered from, I ordered online. Uh, uh, they actually sent a silicon ring with it as part of the deal. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, don't know that I'm ever going to wear it because this one is now resized to fit on my finger properly. But but yeah, no, I thought that was a nice gesture. I got a buddy who uh, same deal as you, like had, had lost a bunch of weight, and, and he lost his. Uh, <laughs> Flicking a booger out the window. Oh my god! <laughs> like it just went flying. That's a terrible omen. <laughs> yeah. They're still married. It's working out. All right, good. They got baby. Oh Jesus! In fact, this was so cheap. I was like, I should get more than one. Like, right? Like, actually, made a fashion thing, you know. But I didn't. I just got the one. And the other cool thing is this website. Like, you, I got it engraved. Like, my other one was engraved. So that was the only thing. I was like, well, I got it. It's got to be engraved. It's got to have to stay engraving. Like that was the to me that was like the cosmic part, you know. So, right. Too cool. Let's say it's a secret. No, I mean, it, listen. There's a lot of people going to going to going to puke over the corniness, but no, it says my best friend, and it's got our wedding date. Ah. Yeah. 
Now, who would puke about that? What kind of assholes do you Well, think? there's people out there like, oh, God, gag me. Vince would probably be gagging right now. But <laughs> Vince wishes he was his best friend. Vince is in Mexico right now hoping he loses his wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody well, probably never wears, wears it. I don't yeah. know that. Does he wear a wedding band? I don't think he does. Yeah. There you go. Uh, um, I decided to um, catch up on some things that I've just... Had on the shelf, um, just kind of go home along with the whole project. Read the room, but this was um, I. I never read these original stories when when they were first published. Um, hell, uh, almost a almost a decade ago, maybe. Anyway, um, Marvel's producing these little these little. Graphic novel trade paperbacks uh, with uh, various various coll- various titles reprinted. You've got uh, there's one about Shuri, there's one about Ironheart, Spidey by um, the illustrated by uh, Bradshaw and and our friend Nate Stockman. A um, bunch of Spider Gwens and um, Champions and. Miles Morales and I decided to finally start reading um, the Miles Morales books because I have I've, I've got the four of them on the shelf the fifth one is somewhere in this room because I checked to make sure that I, I did order it I did receive it um, and it's reprinting it from the original Ultimate line so so the first bo- the first book Miles Morales Spider-Man uh, collects Ultimate Comics Spider-Man 1 through 10 uh, volume two with great power collects eleven through twenty two and sixteen point one, and um, I knew that you know Miles became Spider Man after Ultimate Universe. Peter Parker died in battle, um, and Into the Spider Verse is hands down one of our favorite movies in this house. We'll watch it a few times a year, just crack up, and and I just love the look of it. Um, cannot wait for the sequels, but I did not realize how, obviously I know because of all the MCU movies we watch, we do know, we can tell when they borrow from the source material to adapt to to the movies. I wasn't aware just how much Into the Spider-Verse kind of owes or, or, or borrowed from these early Miles stories. I knew that, uh, you know, I mean, yes, Jefferson, Miles' dad isn't a cop in the comics, at least in these stories, um, but his uncle Aaron is the Prowler. Uh, Scorpion, of course, looks a lot different in the animated movie, but Scorpion does play a part in the early stories here. Um, and it's just... I I'm reading it and and I'm just I'm complete. I think that you know I enjoyed Bendis Superman, but he is just such a great fit at Marvel, especially Ultimate Spider-Man books, whether it's the OG Peter Parker or or um, or Miles. Uh, he's got a knack, Kudrzynski uh, notwithstanding, of working with some really talented artists. The 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 when the series started, uh, Sarah Pacelli is the main artist. Uh, there's a couple of page, a couple of issues illustrated by Chris Somney. Um, 
David Marquez is here. Uh, Justin Ponser is your colorist for pretty much the entire thing. The second book um, has Marquez again, Jason's boy, Pepe Larraz, uh, Sarah Pacelli again. Um, so I read the first two books uh, over the past few days. So so, so read the, the first 22, 23 issues. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. I do... I, I think the format of these books is fantastic. They're they're um they're they're about the size of they're a little bigger than Crazy Food Truck, a little little bigger than than than, than a, a manga book, but uh, smaller than your traditional trade. That format works with certain artists. It works on the Somni issues when you have an artist like Sarah Pacelli or David Marquez that put a lot of detail. In, into characters and into faces or into the backgrounds. You see a lot of rubble flying around. You see a lot of technical details here and there. When you shrink it down, it loses a little bit. You you, you really kind of do want to see those images, those drawings a little larger. Um, also, there are a ton of double-page spreads throughout the entire series. And unfortunately, because of the size of the book... Um, it's kind of hard to tell until you're pretty much halfway through the page that you should have actually been reading it right uh, left to right across both pages um, because the gutters are kind of non-existent as, as you get to the interior of the uh, of the spine but I just I I, I don't want to stop I, I, I'm gonna you know once we're done tonight I'll pull the third book off I'll, I'll, I'll bring that well I won't bring it to work tomorrow because I'll be working on editing this episode but i just have to i gotta continue it and um i'm i'm enjoying miles in the 616 and in, in, in the current universe but uh yeah seeing this 13 year old kid brooklyn visions his best friend is gang and, and of course yes the mcu spider-man ned Leeds is basically ganky but um it it's just you know that there's you get to the end of the second book and there's a big, heavy uh, life change for Miles um, with his family. And that, that was kind of unexpected, but um, that was a bit of a punch to the gut. Uh, the whole thing with, with this civil war going on and, and Captain America is elected president. And there's a lot going on in the Ultimate Universe period that I wasn't aware of. I wasn't privy to. Basically, I kind of walked away from the Ultimate Universe um, after uh, after Warren did his trilogy, the the Galactus trilogy, I don't remember really much after that. Uh, don't think I read the third Ultimates, the 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 Joe Mad book. Um, so a lot of you know, I, I they, they reference you know New York City being drowned and and everybody hating mutants and um, that's all completely foreign to me. But as far as just reading these early Miles issues. Um, the Bendis was on fire. I I think this is absolutely phenomenal. I I'm kicking myself for for waiting so long, um, but it's it's just I mean seeing seeing the character grow, uh, and you know you could talk about how you know Bendis loves to decompress and 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 just uh, you know drag things out and but it's telling this story it works obviously i'm reading chunks of issues at a time but it's not you know miles 
is growing into this and and he's you know he was there when peter was was killed and he goes to the funeral and he talks to gwen and and you know trying to figure out what to do with these powers and and yes he 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 feels like you know i i need to help people um hearing gwen tell him that you know peter became spider-man because somebody very near to him he uh he couldn't save and uh, doesn't mention ben but kind of just goes into it uh captain america shows up it's an absolute asshole because um he's feeling some kind of way because i guess he didn't train peter and and peter died not necessarily on his watch but uh and 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 miles he figures is just too young until miles kind of saves his ass and um he cap comes around on him but uh no i just thought it was it was great the the these first 22 issues are absolutely slamming but um i mean the art is i mean even it, it you can even see the progression with sarah's work from the first issue to um to when she's back on it towards the end of uh of the second book she she wraps up like with the last three or four issues in that one and it, it, there's a difference between the beginning and and the end and it's it's just it's beautiful artwork but um i man i i, I enjoyed the hell out of it i absolutely understand i mean i'm i'm a miles fan i was a miles fan before the movie i became a bigger miles fan after the movie but uh i absolutely see why everybody absolutely loves this character and um and is is protective and uh i that it it's you know it's claim it's you'd say it's derivative and and you know this is just another spider-man but bendis bendis put care into it and and uh it's it's fantastic it's i mean i don't know what it may have felt like to i can imagine i don't know what it was like to read these issues as they were coming out off the stands but i mean that it's it's magic it's absolutely fantastic and um I, I, I dig the format. I will continue to buy it this way as long as they keep publishing it. And and since they're already the fifth book is uh, seems to be with him in the Marvel Universe because it's titled Marvel Universe and it collects the first eleven or twelve issues of the twenty sixteen volume. And then eventually, um, there's some legacy numbering that goes on. So I mean, I know that you know it continued up until this recent volume, but I'll um, at least up until the solid in books i'll um i'll keep buying them in in this format this is absolutely fantastic so yeah i mean news to nobody miles morales is a fantastic character but uh but his early stories are 100 percent slamming i wonder if those those little the digest books that they collect the spider-man one and two like the the crossover where they where they first crossed over miles and peter i'm being that, that might be something you need to dip out and read before you, you know, like, you might have to get some other book or, or Amazon or Comixology or whatever. I did read it, the first miniseries. I didn't read the follow-up. I, mean, it's not, I don't think it's essential, but if you're... No, you know, it's not, but it was it was good. That, that, that first volume yeah. was good. I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get a complex here. 
Yeah, you talked about this like within the last year or two. Oh, the Miles stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know he did. I'm like, he's... Yeah, back in January, I had the same same as you. I hadn't read it. And uh, I read... Uh, I just looked at my notes because I, I keep notes on these things. I uh, I read all 61 issues of Bendis' run and the first 15 issues of Solid and Ahmed's newer run. Um and at the time, and on the second, like I, no disrespect to, to Ahmed, but I, I, I think it's, it, it just didn't have the same vibe that that Bendis' stuff did. For uh, sure, feel, yeah. feels derivative, feels derivative to me. Um, which you know, I actually I hate using that term, so that's that's not fair to him. But but it, it didn't it it, and this could be just me. I, I felt like it was noticeable. It was someone else trying to write Bendis' character. You know, it just yeah, didn't feel the yeah. same. Uh, but. Um, yeah, and then I remember because you it doesn't sound like you've gotten there in your read, but uh, but um, at the time when I even back when I talked about it, and shame on me, I was talking about Oscar Bazaldua, who did the art on the, the majority of the last two years of Bendis's run, and I say shame on me because I, I talked about all this in January of of this year, uh, and uh, and Jan. Oscar is right. The, yes. the, the artist in the books is credited as Oscar Basildua, but as, as Tony just said, and I think we talked about this not too long ago. Yeah, uh, Jan Basildua is uh, is her name now. Uh, Jan was uh, assigned male at birth, but uh, but but, but trans, uh, tra- transitioned uh, to uh, to Jan. Uh, I think back in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. So, you know what's crazy is um, like a, I, I think I might have showed you guys these. Um, like a year or two ago, I went on this tear buying these Mexican pulp. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Covers the paintings. Yeah. Jan Basil Dua in the '90s was doing like the breakdowns for them. I I, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, she. I mean, she's a Mexican artist. Yeah. So she was doing the breakdowns, and then somebody would paint over top of them and do like oh, this cool. crazy painty finish. But yeah, cr- like I can't imagine how old she must have been at that point. Mm-hmm. But. But wild that then uh, I didn't even know she was doing Marvel comics, and then when you were talking about it on the show, I was just like, "What? That's crazy!" Mm-hmm. But, yeah, super yeah. wild. It was and, a Star and, Wars book. I forget what I, I I remember the conversation, but I'm trying to remember where the where we were talking about her. That Vince was talking about a book, and, and was talking about Jan Basildua, and I'm thinking, and I think I said, "Wait, I was it an X Men book?" Was, yeah, because you asked if it was no, the same was person, and yeah, and, and I, the yeah, the books that I, I wasn't vibing with that he was loving, and I said, "Oh, I said you keep saying Jan Basildua. Do you mean Oscar?" Right, and then he said, "No, it's Jan Basildua." And I said, "Oh, is that?" And that's when I was like, "Oh, and then is we that, looked it up. Are they yeah. related?" And then I realized, "Oh, geez, it's the same person. Sorry." Um, yeah, so uh, I, I will say that that the the Miles stuff. So, like you said, you're still in the well. At least it looks like you're up to the the, the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man yeah. stuff, yep. which started in 2011, and, and that was that was the Ultimates universe, and it was ended quite abruptly by Cataclysm. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, and I have letter. I have number grades for all these issues, and I all the all the Bendis Ultimate uh, Miles stuff was fours or fives out of one through five. And then the three Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man issues were three issues. Very interesting. But then once Bendis brings Miles over to the 616, it gets good again. Uh, No, I don't think it's as consistent there. You'll have to see if you agree when you get there. But um, I don't don't think anything captures the magic of those 
of those ultimate issues. Uh, but, but it's still good. And like I said, and then and then, and it could be because I, I sat there and I read eighty of these goddamn issues all at once. So mm-hmm. maybe by then it's just solid and stuff. I mean, maybe I gave it short shrift because I'd already read sixty Bendis issues at the time. Um, if it, maybe if I put a little space in between them, it would have been different. And 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 bluntly, at least for the majority of of the fifteen issues that I read, Javier Garon was the main artist. And yeah, uh, I, I'm you know I don't I don't think it's it's by no means poor art, but I I, I it's a little cartoony for me yep. relative to some of the others so um yeah yeah but uh no I, i'm with you I, I think it's one of those things where i i read it and thought why did i not read this when it was coming off the stairs like i it's so good it's and and like you said it's he, he's an incredible character and it's not just him but his whole supporting group and 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 just like you it's like oh man it's so much like the you can see so much of this came from the or so much of this fed into the movie yeah yeah the uh and not just by the way um i know you're not much of a gamer but but the the miles morales spider-man uh yeah video game, which i have to still get just, yeah it's the same kind of it's the same characters and it's 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 wonderful that's my favorite thing about the two spider-man games is that uh there's so much story it is like playing a comic book they really do develop peter and miles respectively and and their their loved ones and their families and and there's weight to it and, and it's uh, yeah, they're great video games for for those of you that that are video gamers. I I can't recommend. I I play like two video games a year. Uh, I, I kind of cherry pick, wait to see what everyone says are the best, and then I buy one or two of them and, and then play them. Uh, and both for me, both of those Spider-Man games are, are are two of my favorite games of the last five whatever years. That, that I, I need to finish the first one so I can get the the, the sequel. It, it's, yeah. it's it's killing me. I don't have enough time to. Yeah, and this, some people complained that it wasn't different enough, but for me it was just putting on a comfortable pants. I loved the first one. Right. And the second one was the exact same engine, same mechanics, same bunch of different suits that do different things, but 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 it, it but I loved it because I'm a, I'm an old head. I I like the time it took me to to beat the first one, it was great to play Miles Morales because I got to see his story. But the controls I already was I already mastered. I didn't have to worry about learning a bunch of new controls and new moves. It was so I love that. Like I'm all for that. I think that was super huge for the character too. I when I was moving just uh, last week, I knew that I had Ultimate Fallout Four in like in a shed behind my house, like in a in a box of comics. I just assumed it was back there getting ruined, uh, and I and I found it really easily when I was moving. I was just like, oh shit, I've got the first Miles Morales. That's cool. Uh, and I asked a friend about it, and he was like, "Yeah, hold off on selling it right now. Like, they're not selling for as much because uh, I'm gonna for sure sell it." Uh, but uh, I was like, "Oh, should I wait for the next movie?" And he was like, "No, I'm tell you, they go crazy when they put out those video games. Like, that's mm-hmm. when people really go nuts for miles." Is, uh, is what, so like in the wider, you know, like the way the rest of the world like gets hyped about miles, it's when they put those games out. Yeah, yeah. The uh, it, it's just. <laughs> Knowing, knowing the analogs for a lot of these characters, because growing up reading the six one six, and then realizing that a lot of characters are reacting to Peter's death and what what he may have meant to them. I mean, you have um, there there are some things that are a little convenient uh, the way some characters are uh, are handled, um, 
when when there's a threat to Miles, for example. Um, Betty Brant was somebody who I guess uh, is kind of always going into business for herself. She was a careerist, according to what Jonas says uh, when he talks to Detective Maria Hill, ex-agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but she um, she knows who the new Spider-Man is. And she's wrong, but she swears up and down to Jonah that, you know, this is news and, and, and you've got to report this. But first, we have to talk about um, money and, and I need a raise and a byline. And Jonah's like, I'm not printing it. I'm not printing it. it it's he. He's, it's been a year since Peter had died, and and Joe is finally starting to sleep again at night. And he is not going to print a story that's going to ruins. It's going to ruin someone's life. And he's like, he's. She's like, well, someone will buy the story. And he's like, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody will. And and he's like, but it's not going to be me. I I'm not going to do this to myself. I'm not going to do this to this to to, to these people, whoever they are. Um. And you know, Betty doesn't get the story printed because something happens to Betty. But uh, it took me a second. I didn't. I didn't know who Venom was right away until he attacks Miles and and the conversation while they while they're having their fight. Um, it kind of clicked. And and then there's a there's a whole thing in a hospital because Miles's father is injured and and is rushed to the hospital and Venom's still after him and and. Uh, then the the reveal happens but um yeah so I j- venom is the doctor that norman hires at the beginning of the series to replicate the uh the experiment that uh, that gave peter his powers yeah. and um it it's dr marcus um yeah, Doctor Marcus is his last name. Uh, but he he um, he's working for Roxon at this time because Norman is dead. Uh, experimented on himself and became Green Goblin. Um, so when when it turns out when Marcus realizes that uh, that this new Spider Man got his powers from a spider that was from the 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 Oscorp facility. Um, he, I don't know how the Venom, I don't know how the symbiote attaches itself to Marcus. I don't see any of that, um, or at least it doesn't play out in these two books. And he's just there's a connection, but there was a connection to Peter. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if if the symbiote. I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing in the Ultimate Universe, the symbiote wasn't an alien, and it was an experiment also from Oscor and and. Um, it's supposed it, to be like a cure for cancer. Yes, yes, that was it. That was it. Peter's father. Peter's father was developing a cure for cancer. That's what this was. He didn't want the government to have it because they wanted it to use it for warfare. Um, so the symbiote has that connection to the Parker genome or the DNA that way. Um, so I'm not quite sure. I guess just because of the spider connection, that's why he's after Miles. But um, yeah. And Karin is out of that thing thing. And kills Stacy, and then she comes back carnage. Yeah, when she was talking to um, when when she and Mary Jane show up at Miles's apartment, um, he they're asking him, they're asking her why does she know so much about Venom, and she's like, well, I used to be one, and it it's like one panel, and she's like, you know, I died, I came back, and um, and so so I, and I remember the solicits 
from from when the whole Ultimate Carnage thing was happening. But I didn't read any of it. But um, but no, I just I mean the way he weaved it all together, it's just he's. I mean, listen, I I would love to be able to have Bendis on the show. I'd love to sit and talk to him about anything. But um, this was just this is fantastic. I I uh, like I said I cannot wait to read the twenty third issue and 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 keep going from there. Yeah, it sounds great. I didn't read the whole thing, uh, but I, I read the beginning of it. I read all of Ultimate Spider-Man, and then I think I just sort of fell on. Like, I must have skipped a couple weeks at the shop. You know how that happens where you, like, miss two issues of a thing, and then you're just like, well, it's all fucked. Yep. All too uh, well. Yeah, so I got to I gotta jump back on and finish reading that. I remember I read the last issue because I, I, it seemed like sort of a big deal, you know, Bendis' last Ultimate Spider-Man issue. Um, but I haven't read, you know, the whatever sixty in between or forty or however many. So yeah, I'm gonna have to those digests. I like those a lot. I think I'll pick those up at some point. And I know that uh, I think they reprinted the Miles Omnibus, but I it, and again, I mean, I love that, and I, I, I the format is great for me anyway, as as far as an archival aspect. But uh, I'm not gonna lug an omnibus to work to read but these i mean I, I throw them in my bag and i'm i'm ready to go but it it's um and and the current volume by um ahmed which is going to be wrapping his his he's ending i don't know if the series is ending with his last issue or if it's going to be his last issue and then someone else will take over or it'll be renumbered but um that's still that's that's one of the books i get from the shop so uh, but I haven't. I'm, I'm way behind on it. It's been months since I've read an issue, so I want to. Uh, I think I'm going to keep holding off on that and keep reading through the Miles, the Bendis stuff, and then reread Saladin's from the beginning and just uh, keep going from there. Just, just to get my fix. It, it's just, yeah. I there are a lot of characters that just come around and or replace somebody, whether it's you know Kyle after Hal or Wally after Barry it, it's there there's some characters where you just they're completely different and and this very much so in this case but uh or it's just gonna be more the same or you're just trying to please a different audience in the case of Kyle yes they were they you know, powers that be at DC felt that Hal was stale and old and just a throwback and and they wanted to get a, a newer lantern to maybe spark up some interest and it did there are a lot of people i know that, that we're friends with that uh you know kyle is their green lantern or at least kyle is their first green lantern that they read because you know again hal's just kind of stiff and not really all that interesting depending on who's writing him so um but you know and in the kyle case that to me it feels that uh, it was very editorially driven, whereas Miles just kind of feels organic. It's just yes, Peter died, but even even with that, it it just it it just it just feels right. It, it, it's not like I didn't read it thinking that you know this is just Marvel trying to be PC or or uh, trying to cram a new character down your face or, or please everybody or it just it's part of that ultimate universe and it, it just, it makes sense it, to me. It felt super organic. I yeah. remember when I, I'm just feeling like, man, this is gr- like the, the best thing they could have done for this book is this, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
if you guys can hear that panting, that that means my dog says it's about time for in your travels. We got to turn the AC back on. <laughs> oh, you poor doggo. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, in your travels, I'll make it quick because it was a first issue, um, and and because it's uh, Tony has a variant of it, a variant cover for it, but um, Dynamite has released another. James Bond book. This is James Bond 007 uh, with a Tommy Lee Edwards cover on the regular. There's a Mark Lamy cover. There's a ton of variants, uh, as is the case from Dynamite. But this, um, this basically, short and sweet, um, the assignment doesn't go the way it's supposed to go. Um, the Prime Minister needs somebody to answer for it. And... Uh, and M lets Bond know that um, you're kind of sitting on the sidelines for a little bit. Um, it's just the way it is. You, you, it won't be for long. Um, and and Bond's kind of, you know, tired of it. It's like, uh, focus on the positives instead of, you know, worrying about the things that went wrong with this assignment. So he, he goes home and he gets a phone call from a lost love uh, who apparently was a 003 and um and they're supposed to meet the next day and or, or, or later that night um and uh she doesn't show up but um there's the people watching bond uh were involved at the beginning of the issue where the assignment went south uh so someone's after there's a group that is definitely that's after bond uh, he's poking his nose around where they don't want him to poke his nose around. Doesn't look like Bond is going to have really the backing of um, MI6 right now. So I don't know if he's just kind of play solo or uh, how the rest of it's going to shake out. But it is um, it is written by uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, who I talked about last week with uh, the action comic stuff. And uh, art by Marco Finnegan. Colors by... Uh, Dear Butler Kelly, and uh, yeah, I thought it was a, it was kind of a quick read. The art, um, the art works. Uh, it's um, not not heavy on the backgrounds. The, the, it's mostly focusing on on the characters and um, they kind of just move in the action. Um, but yeah, I uh, it it, it kind of just. It feels like sort of a Bond movie where, you know, M gets on his ass because he just didn't go by the book and, and is kind of being punished for it. And, and uh, even though he's Bond and it always works out in the end for him, but uh, we're not at the end yet. So we have to see him get there. But yeah, in your travels, James Bond 007, number one from Dynamite. Respect. You love the Bond books. I do. You do. You do. Um, well, I, I'm going to keep it short, too, because our boy Brian Newbery, who you had on last week, uh, in my stead, uh, is is a uh, as, as much of a X-universe, uh, X-family mark as I am. And he also has impeccable taste, for those of you that... Uh, you probably all know that by now, but... Um, so he, he gave his thoughts and love to AXE Judgment Day number one uh, but number two came out 
and so my inner travels is just to uh, to piggyback off of Brian and, and say uh, AXE Judgment Day, which I had next to no expectations for, uh, because uh, I just set myself very low bar when it comes to big two events these days, is off to a smashingly good start. Um, I always judge events by a couple criteria. Is the art good? In this case, Valerio Schiti, who is one of Marvel's go-to uh, artists and has been doing a lot of mutant books for the last few years, is certainly uh, up to snuff. Is it? Uh, is it? Is it in truly self-contained? Meaning, certainly, it's designed to pay off for all of the threads that have been laid out in the books that came before it. Uh, most of which, to be fair, in this case, I, ha- I have been reading. But to me, a good event is where you could just pick up the event had you not been reading those books or weren't current and still be completely uh, comfortable with what's going on and I think that happens as well I think they set it up very clearly and succinctly, it makes sense it's logical uh, at the heart of it and again I'm not going to go too deep because I don't want to repeat what Brian said but basically the premise is and I talked about this a few weeks ago when I was talking about the Eternals book the Eternals job has always been to make sure that excess deviation is gone from the earth in most for most of their existence that's meaning that's meant fighting the deviants but in this case the new leader of the Eternals has determined that because the mutants now can resurrect themselves that they are in, in also excess deviant deviation and should be wiped out so it's setting up this war and uh, the Avengers get pulled into it too but it's, it's awesome like I said two issues in I, I'm completely engrossed the story has been action packed it's been looked great I'm, I'm here for it so I as with all events you know plenty of events start off hot and then end with a whimper uh, but uh, yeah I gotta say uh, I'm pleasantly surprised so this might be one of the rare good events that you know have come along every so often now and in stark contrast I might add to uh, the current uh, Fakakta crisis going on at DC which I think mm. is an absolute mess it's an absolute <laughs> mess but um, your mileage may vary I know a lot of DC lovers out there I, I, I just think so far the events have been a mess but uh, but yes in your travels uh, check out AXC Judgment Day in your travels uh, the trade paperback of this came out uh, maybe right before Comic Con or maybe the week after uh, it's Ghost Cage by Nick Dragata and Caleb Golner um, it's cool I mean it's just like a, a self-contained little fight comic um, it's about this computer program named Sam who becomes like the sentient, you know, like warrior that has to try and protect the world from this power station that's going to explode. Like there's this millionaire that I guess millionaire is probably old time you talk. <laughs> there's this cajillionaire that uh, controls all the power and uh, he's got it all in this one place and it's all different. It's like solar power and wind power and nuclear power. And, um, each level of this uh, tower that they're sort of fighting up through in sort of like a game of death style, uh, you know, any any sort of platform or video game, like every time they beat a boss, they have to go to the next level and it'll be the next, you know, on this level we're, de- we're dealing with wind power. Um, and so it'll be like a wind villain um, and so it's uh, Sam, this robot, and Doyle, who's like tech support, who's this dorky, you know, sidekick that has to like sort of show up and and help this robot get through this this whole fight thing. And then they they end up getting more people along the way. And uh, there's a, a kick-ass uh, like lady robot who shows up, and I won't spoil who she is, but uh, it's neat. It's self-contained. 
it's I always love it when an artist who who hasn't written for themselves sort of does does their own thing and just really goes for it because you get to see like exactly what they do um, and a lot of people got a got a taste of that earlier I guess in the pandemic must have been last year uh, when Dragata did his Batman Black and White which was just him you know writing drawing and, and grayscaling and this is sort of more of that Caleb Golner is his co-writer on it so they're sort of collaborating in that way but it's all I mean it's pure Dragata like if you like him on East to West you should check this out because he's going nuts he's doing you know whatever the fuck he wants and I like watching that Ghost Cage from Image Comics nice if only we had uh, gone to talk about that <laughs> we showed up right I listened to that yes yes he did yes he we did. had him on yeah. let me reiterate that this is not just some guy sh- trying to schlep his own book I'm, t- I'm telling you as an unrelated party that you should check it out there you go but also check out Stray Dogs. <laughs> Dog days and waiting, waiting patiently for my uh, my latest Nick Dragata commission. Oh, what did Felix, you get? I got a beast. Nice. Felix assured me it's done. So I feel like I've seen. It. Has he posted it? No, he hasn't. But that's why I was chatting up Felix today about the uh, the thing that our patrons will hear eventually in the bonus app about uh, his latest episode. And uh, I said, by the way, while well, I got you. Uh, Nick done my, my San Diego commission, and he's like, "In fact, he is." I'm like, "All right then." Uh, speaking of Felix, the either this week or next week they're going to sell the last of the Stray Dogs artwork. Uh, so if there's people, uh, if any rich people are listening, uh, keep <laughs> on that. Dude, we we have a whole like I would say a good like. I mean, I don't have the official numbers, but I'd say like half of the slack level patrons are hardcore art collectors would Seriously. you say that yeah oh yeah. for sure for sure and and i mean super it, it's it truly is a community because you as soon as i mean the victor santos is a great example as soon as we find somebody or even um edwards it, it, it's like as soon as somebody comes across an artist that's you know either got their work on their commissions for sale or or uh just somebody new and one person mentions it on the Slack. It, it's it, it's a domino effect, and all of a sudden you get like the you you reach out to the artist, and you're like, yeah, um, my friend so and so told. Oh, I've got like you know twenty commissions ready to go from you know just word of mouth because you guys talked about it. it it's amazing. I love it. Je suis Legion. I loved uh, I love looking at those guys as like that. My favorite thing about Heroes Con was hanging out with you guys. My second thing, favorite thing about it was just like hanging out with the lockers and uh, and and getting to check out all the stuff that they were grabbing at the show. Like that's that's my favorite thing in the show. If somebody comes up and wants to buy something, they've got a portfolio under their arm. I'm like, all right, well, later for our business, let me see what you're, let me see what you picked up. I want to see what's going on. Yeah. So that that was a, a real highlight was getting to see all the cool art that those guys scored. Yeah. It, and then third was uh, Midnight Diner. That counts as hanging out Midnight with Midnight Diner. Yes. So good, I'm back on shit. Some people were hating on it, and I was like, "Man, maybe it's because I hadn't had a carb in like eight months." (laughs) Like, man, that was some tasty food to me. It really was (laughs) shitty food all the time, and that was delicious. There you go. That was great shitty food. I love Mm -hmm. that. A plus jukebox too. The jukebox was litty. Slaps. Yeah. There you go. Look at you using the vernacular. (sighs) 
And on that note, we thank you all for listening to us, uh, for joining us tonight. Um, we should have Vince back next week, uh, provided yeah. he can get into the country. And um, yeah, we'll uh, that manga with him, they'll stop him. They'll never let him back in America again. Yeah, buy all the team on the Bible. Um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, we will be back next week with 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 more shenanigans, with more of the fun stuff. Uh, in the meantime, Tony will say good night to you all, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night, David. Oh, good night, David. Listen to Baxter. That's it for that one.